0: You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm QSR Web Editor and podcast host, Shelly Whitehead. And like most of America, I find it nearly impossible to resist a creamy, cold, frozen custard, especially on one of the hot summer days we're heading into. And apparently, I'm not alone because a lot of Americans seem to be heading to the Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers chain these days. In fact, last year was a record-setting one for the brand, which recorded an eye-popping 14.5% increase in system-wide sales over the previous year. Of course, COVID-19 has likely messed with those numbers this year, but we're going to get straight scoop on that today on the podcast when one of Freddie's co-founders and the chain COO, Scott Redler joins us. And welcome, Scott.
2: Well, thank you very much.
1: It is our pleasure to have you here. Now, let's dive right into the custard cup, so to speak. Now, 2020 dawns, and you're coming off this great year at Freddie's in 2019, then a couple of months into this year, bang, the brand, like... Others, nationally, is blindsided by COVID-19. So can you tell us about the current state of things with Freddy's and also give us an idea of your reach in store numbers and regions and growth plans as we sit today?
2: Well, absolutely. So we have 381 restaurants open, and we're in 32 states in the U.S. and three locations in uh, the Middle East. And we've, um, like everyone else, COVID-19 hit us uh, square on the head and said, wait a minute. And we all took a step back and started working on our plans to make it work in the new temporary normal. And then pass that, the new permanent normal, as we all figure out down the road.
1: Yeah, it is going to be a new permanent normal, isn't it? This has really shifted things for restaurateurs um how has that great 2019 helped you see your way through the current crisis and can you give us an idea of the pandemic related hit freddy's has taken
2: yeah so you know obviously we had a a, an incredible 2019 built 41 restaurants and it's our uh, fifth year building uh, restaurants of that number 40 to 50 and we're just driving along in our sports car going at a great pace and all of a sudden the stop sign hit and trying to figure it out like everyone else in the country the impact to restaurants was immediate and hard and our sales dropped uh significantly and we all said wait a minute what does this mean and how long is it going to last and we asked ourselves all the same questions that no one else knew the answers to either so we started uh having daily meetings and um with our senior management team and marketing and, and operations and trying to understand what we needed to do to move forward and what the best practices were going to be.
1: It's painful, isn't it?
2: It truly is. And understanding the number of lives this is affected. And, you know, we've we, we taken the approach from the beginning that health is first. We want people to be healthy and safe and taking that approach and we're gonna err on that side first. And then after we get that segment figured out, we figure out the um, the operational component and what we need to do and do better, while maintaining the safety of our guests and our uh, team members.
1: What kinds of changes have you made in the way you're conducting business now that you you know you, you're thinking about retaining going forward?
2: Well so we're we're very fortunate that we have drive-throughs and I've been in the restaurant business for a lot of years since I've been fifteen, so forty five years. And full service is really the bigger challenge because the, you know changing from a, a concept where you're doing you know ninety five percent of your food in a dining room and five percent with carryout or delivery, that's a different scenario. So we're very fortunate that we had drive-throughs. What we did initially was go, okay, we have drive-throughs, and we were doing carry-out, and we put together a task force with our our team here, our operations team, and laser focused on what we do well in drive-through and truly what our opportunities were to help speed up drive-through while maintaining what we call the Freddy's Way, and the Freddy's Way is just doing things the right way. We cook all of our food to order, and that, that's a non, you know, we, we will never vary from that, and We kept those programs in place and kept our burgers hot and fresh and fries fresh and hot and moved forward with that.
1: The Freddie's way. I like that. Yes. Uh, You know, um, what did you, when you did that task force kind of laser focus, as you were saying, on the drive through, what you decided you all did, you all do really well in the drive through and that you could really. Used to get you through this?
2: Well, we started with, with our most important thing. And that's obviously utilizing the Freddy's way with hospitality and food. It's a lot harder to show great hospitality when your interaction with a guest is on a speakerphone and then uh, in person for a very limited amount of time while they're picking up their meals. So we, we made sure we focused on that and not varying any cooking processes that we had we started to understand where our choke points were, what was really, truly slowing us down, and understanding the time it takes to put an order in at a drive-through, uh, and then the time it takes to cook the food. And, and we put some balance into that and shifted some of the roles that we used to do at the drive-through window to the order-taking process. And that helped us pick up some speed.
1: Isn't that right? So is, you think this might be something that you carry forth?
2: We are going to come out of this faster in the drive-thrus than we've ever been. It's a little more challenging for a concept like ours when we cook everything to order. And we're very proud that we cook everything to order. We all know uh, if you're going to be bad, it better be this good. So if you're going to have a burger and fries and frozen custard, you want it right. We call that the Freddy's way in great hospitality and environment. And when you're sitting there and you take a fry right when you get it in a drive-thru and it's fresh and it's hot and crisp and season perfectly with our Freddy seasoning, you smile. When you take a bite of frozen custard you alluded to earlier, we make frozen custard throughout the day. We didn't wanna take our product and and degrade it at all. We wanted everything to be just as it was so that we can take care of our guests time and time again.
1: What have you learned about the brand, uh, its leaders and staff and its customers through this tough time that I guess you will use to guide you moving into the future?
2: You know, it's amazing to us that our our guests, the loyalty of our guests and the understanding, and as these times have, have come upon us, the amount of time that people will spend to get their, I'll call it a Freddy's fix. You need your Freddy's fix. Because when you sit down and you have your burger, fries and custard and done the right way, which we execute as strong as we can every every meal period, you're happy, you smile. When you take a bite of custard, you smile. It makes you happy. It makes your family happy. And I think the problems of the world go away for just a few seconds.
1: Why do we need that right now. Absolutely. <laughs> um, can you see as far as when you say what you've learned that you're going to retain going forward about, you know, you talked about the loyalty of your guests um, and getting that Peretti's fix. Is that something that you all are actively planning on highlighting as we move forward? For instance, I've talked to a couple of QSR restaurateurs who are saying that there's gonna be a resurgence of love for fast food, um, you know, when we come back from, the, from the, the lockdown state.
2: Well, you know, I think we are going to, I think, I think we've always had that. that, that really comes from our beginnings. When we started Freddy's, most of my experience was in uh, full-service restaurants and some upscale full-service service. So taking the full-service hospitality, putting it into a fast, casual restaurant like Freddy's, we did that from the beginning. What was critical to us during these times is not letting that go away. It is so important to our culture, to our team members, franchisees. Everyone comes in and goes, okay, I've got to have my Freddy's fixed. I need to have custard I'm going to have a better day because I'm having a turtle Sunday with freshly made custard, hot fudge, hot caramel, toasted pecans, and whipped cream and a cherry. And when you take a bite, you smile. The interesting thing about Freddy's is that our franchisees, typical franchisee goes to a Freddy's, enjoys a meal, goes, wait a minute, this was great. Then they go back. Then they call us. (laughs) And a lot of them have had other restaurant experience. Some have not. And they've all learned, the Freddy's way to do things with culture and hospitality and taking care of their team members and taking care of their guests. So we build loyal following forever.
1: So if you had the name, what this brand's greatest assets are and also had to name what you see as the toughest challenges for this brand at the moment. Um, what are they? And, you know, what are your problem solving skills doing to handle those
2: well let's start with the strengths and and it's really easy the our, our franchisees our team members our corporate office everyone has a passion for our brand and when i talk about passion it's for hospitality it's for culture it's for food that we feel is you know best in segment and we're family we actually have a a reunion every 18 months with our franchisees, and we call it a Freddy's family reunion. That's a lot different scenario than most businesses operate, and we think that's a huge advantage for us. The second major component on the plus side, in 17 and a half years, we have never made a decision to downgrade a a product or cut the portion on a product. We believe in doing it the right way, the Freddy's way, every time, And that's an absolute for us. You get to the challenges with uh, COVID, you know, everybody took a deep breath and tried to understand what was really happening. None of us have ever been through a pandemic. None of us have ever understood what it means to see unemployment numbers going to the numbers they are and watch the economy come to a complete shutdown. So you try and make the best. If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And in that scenario, we, we sat around and we said, okay, what can we do better? Let's look at this as let's just not sit here and feel sorry for ourselves because we're in this situation. Let's take a look at it and say, all right, what can we do to improve in Area A, the other, which was drive-through. The next thing was delivery. We had delivery testing in a minimal number of locations under 30, and we geared that up quickly. And now we have delivery in almost every restaurant in, in this short period of time. So taking the, the negative, you can sit and dwell on negative things. I'm an optimist. I think we need to focus on what we can do better, what the positive things are going on. We're all sitting here, and, and our sales have gone up every week that we've been open since the pandemic started, since the shutdown of the government. And we are very fortunate that we have drive throughs we're very fortunate that we're able to use our team members and our franchisees and we have the tools available to help us get better every day. And I don't think we're losing that attitude. We're still looking to and striving to get better and better.
1: Wow. Ramping up that delivery very quickly was a challenge, wasn't it?
2: (laughs) It was absolutely a challenge. And the good news is, um, our, our IT department and our CFO, um, really just grabbed the bull by the horn and knew the priority and knew the upside of this and worked with DoorDash as our supplier and everybody worked as hard as they could to get as many tablets out and you know with shortages of tablets and things like that. They really did a a fantastic job getting our system open and getting our system delivery. Because it did make an impact on sales. And
1: you say you're almost hundred percent now delivery Um,
2: across stores. We are so we have yeah, we, I think um, almost all the restaurants have signed up, and there was a tablet shortage, as you can imagine, with other things, <laughs> and we are um, working to get past that, but, uh, you know, the guest, when you don't want to leave your house, and you still are sitting there waiting for your craveable Freddy's, we think that's a great thing, and we want to get it to you and, and get it to you as fresh and hot as we can and satisfied your, your Freddy's fix.
1: Now, though you're a burger chain, or should I say steak burger chain?
2: Please say um, steak burger, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What about your non-meat offerings, like your veggie burger and cheese curds and their popularity and I guess evolution going forward?
2: Well, so um, starting with the veggie burger, we've had that on from the beginning. And it's actually, as we got larger, we were able to work with a, uh, a supplier and do our own recipe for our veggie burger it's outstanding. And when a guest tries it, typically someone that's a meat eater and then they try a veggie burger, they go, well, wait, this is really good. So that's always a fun one to uh, give someone who's never had one of our veggie burgers before. You know, it, it's a limited number of guests that, that go for vegetarian. We are, we are absolutely a double steak burger with cheese, fresh hot fries, and uh, Turtle Sunday type of operation but we have that option for our guests that uh, go that want vegetarian.
1: So I'm interested also in your uh, take-home kind of retail product sales like your fry sauce or your custard quarts. Um, do you see any increased activity in that area going forward?
2: Well we, we think that you know the way our guests dine is yet to be defined and, you know, we're all making these guesses and trying to make plans based on what we think. Uh, but we definitely believe that more meals will be consumed at home. When dining rooms open up in the country, it appears that a lot of them are going to open up at less than full tables. And more guests will, just by sheer capacity, more guests will be going through the drive through or getting delivery or getting uh, a meal to take home and dining that way. That said, we, we do sell a very significant amount of our Freddy's fry sauce and Freddy's jalapeno fry sauce and our Freddy's seasoning. The, um, custard treats, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, your family's at home and you're going to be in this environment watching whatever binge watching show you're watching. (laughs) And we've all done that. And it's great to be able to pull a, a quart of custard out with toppings and, uh, and, and serve your, your family and, get to sit around and enjoy and have a great family evening.
1: But then you have to share it, right?
2: Well, I don't think you have to share. I think you wait till everybody goes in the other room because they don't like the TV show you're watching, and that's when you bring the custard out. I'm kidding, of course.
1: (laughs) I love your thinking. Well, Scott, I raise a seasoned fry to you and wish you great success moving forward through this insanely tricky year. And um, up next, we have even more restaurant news you can use from the attorneys at Mesner Reeves who are joining us after this short break. All right, now, we are back with two attorneys from the national full-service law firm, Mesner Reeves, which shares a wide array of businesses, including U.S. restaurant brands. First, let me introduce one of the firm's partners in its corporate practice group. Rachel Farr, whose experience covers areas like corporate compliance, securities, and state and federal regulatory compliance issues, among others. And welcome, Rachel. Hi, Shelley. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And next, please meet Mesnery's partner and the head of its Utah office, Torben Welch, who has built his legal expertise helping to resolve complex corporate real estate and intellectual property transactions across industries, including the restaurant business. And welcome to you, Torben.
3: Uh, Hi, Shelly. Thanks for having us.
1: Well, it's great to have you. I think you're going to lend great expertise and take us on a deeper dive into some of the matters of really primary importance to restaurant tours right now. In fact, restaurant business leaders are now being increasingly forced to be agile in whole new ways and degrees with both their customers and employees. And part of that agility has certainly had to be around each brand's adaptation, to an interaction with the US Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, otherwise known as CARES Act, which I will refer to it as from now on. So uh, initially there was a lot of back and forth around how the CARES Act applies to restaurant operators. So let's just start off by having you detail the types of exceptions that were made for restaurant businesses.
3: Uh, sure, and there was a lot of discussion, and there remains to be a lot of discussion, but in the the main CARES Act itself, the accommodation that was made for the restaurant industry really is related to affiliation rules that the SBA has. and That means that uh, in most cases, a one-off restaurant that was owned by a much larger conglomerate would not be able to meet the SBA requirements of 500 employees, so by lessening those rules, Uh, and looking at each restaurant business, each location as its own business, that enabled more people to have access to the funds available under the CARES Act. So if you have some partners that were otherwise putting you over 1,500 employees, you wouldn't be able to tap into these funds. By making that accommodation and having just the affiliation rules loosened. the SBA is going to allow people if you have 30 people at your specific restaurant, that's where your PPP funds would be able to come from. Generally speaking, all the other accommodations that are available to all borrowers are in place for uh, tours. So there's going to be no guarantee, no collateral that's required to be pledged to get some of these funds. And you have the potential to get 100% loan forgiveness with these funds. So uh, to the industry as a whole, that's very, very beneficial. If you're able to utilize that amount up to 75% for payroll expenses, you can get your employees back in place and you can begin as we slowly come out of uh, this this pandemic fog that we've been in, slowly start to reopen your business, you'll have employees available to you. uh, And by paying them, you'll be able to get forgiveness from that debt amount.
1: There's a lot at stake. Um, But the cuts have really been so deep within the restaurant industry as a result of the many business restrictions imposed by COVID-19. In fact, US restaurants have experienced more job losses than any other industry here through the pandemic. That actually led the National Restaurant Association to send its so-called blueprint for recovery to Congress on April 20th. So how would this plan mitigate the employment challenges faced by restaurant operators and similarly, can you explain what happens if a restaurant operator doesn't use all the funds they've obtained and wants to return them at the end of the period?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just piggybacking on what Torben said, there's been a lot of ongoing discussion between the NRA and Congress uh, because of the restaurant industry is such a huge employer. Uh, Despite that, the CARES Act, of course, is not specifically tailored to the restaurant industry. And as a result of that, there's a lot of kind of elements of it that don't exactly work, which is kind of what led to uh, the NRA sending the blueprint to recovery to Congress um, a week or so ago. And there's three main programs that they are recommending that Congress explore that specifically target the restaurant industry. Uh, The first being the creation of a restaurant and food service industry recovery fund. Um, And what the NRA is seeking is about $240 billion specifically for restaurants and food service industries uh, to support ongoing operating expenses, to rehire and retrain their workforces, and to really provide a lifeline to reopen and readjust to what's going to be required of them in the age of social distancing. The second thing they're asking for um, specifically relates back to the Paycheck Protection Program. And what the NRA is recommending Congress do is replenish funding, which... um, you know, as we know, it got a second round of funding, but to, you know, continue funding for this program, but also to fix the structural issues that really just don't work for the restaurant industry. Um, you know, things relating to the forgiveness formula don't take into the realities of, you know, restaurants not operating at the time, um, you know, the eight-week period in which to use your loan funds to get forgiveness. There's just some elements to it that don't really jive uh, with the reality of restaurants in this day and age. And, you know, given The number of jobs that this industry creates. um, There's a big effort to try to make sure the Paycheck Protection Program really can work uh, with restaurants. Uh, And the final thing that the NRA is looking for is the creation of a tax credit or a grant program for quote unquote healthy restaurants. Mm Uh, Even when restaurants are allowed to reopen, there's going to be very different standards from a health and safety perspective. Uh, What the NRA is looking for is a tax credit or a grant program for restaurants to help them and support them as they try to comply with new regulations, make sure their restaurants um, are safe as they open to the public. So with those three things, the NRA is really pushing for a lot of support for the restaurant industry, um, and we'll all have to stay tuned uh, to see how Congress reacts to that. Wow, it's a mouthful, isn't it? It's It's a lot. It's a big problem and it needs big solutions. So got got a lot of brains on it right now. Absolutely.
1: Now, under the general heading of rehiring, what's the incentive for restaurant brands to put employees back on the payroll when they can make more money receiving pandemic unemployment payments through July 25th this year?
3: So the, there's always going to be an incentive, even though these eight weeks start from the date you get your money and you may not be open as a restaurant. And now you're already bound to try and spend all of this money within this eight-week period. The incentive comes more from not only helping your employees, but getting everything ready to go to be prepared for the minute you do open up. Um, what we're hearing from a lot of restaurateurs, uh, they're struggling a little bit finding the right people to come in uh, and do the services that they need because they're not open. But as we begin to get this opening happening, you want your people and your best people ready to go as soon as you can. So by getting them to come back in and understanding uh, where your goal is as an owner of a restaurant, how you want to be ready day one when you're allowed to, that's very important. You also continue to build your business with your employees and your former employees that they were laid off for furloughed. You want to continue to have those really top performers that you had previously ready to come back to you. So but by, by helping them that way, you get a little bit of loyalty. This is, we tell people now is a good time to go, I don't want to say cherry pick or poach employees, but to find top performers at other restaurants that aren't able to bring them back. You can really take advantage of this opportunity to bring some employees back or to hire new employees that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. So you're all ready to go as soon as you're allowed to be open.
0: Anything to add, Rachel, on that note? Um, Yeah, just to to piggyback off Torben, in addition to, uh, you know, what the incentives might be, to comply with the actual responsibilities under unemployment, you know, employees have to certify that they can't find suitable employment. Um, So to the extent that, you know, a, a restaurant offers a job back to an employee that says they'd rather stay on unemployment, you know, they might run into some issues there. So, In addition to what Torben mentioned um, about preparedness and getting things back on track, there's kind of the technical legal component on uh, what your obligations are for your unemployment uh, reporting.
1: Thank you. Now, um, lastly, we've learned that a lot of forward thinking restaurant operators are taking slower sales periods now to evaluate vendor contracts what are some key considerations and methods restaurant operators can use to renegotiate vendor contracts, leases, and other types of contracts? And also, does mesneries have any resources
0: operators can use to guide them through during this time? Absolutely. Um, When it comes to looking at vendor uh, contracts, leases, things like that, uh, the, the key consideration for the restaurant industry is to lean on the relationships you have. Um, you know, more so than of any other industry, I know the hospitality industry relies on close relationships um, among everyone, cooks, vendors, uh, landlords, you know, that's just how it works. Uh, so when facing vendor negotiations, we're telling people to, you know, start with an honest and open assessment of where you are and what your situation is everyone benefits from honesty and everyone understands that this is an incredibly difficult time. And think of it from the perspective of, you know, we are really business partners with all of the people in the restaurant industry who are supporting us. Uh, Our vendors, our liquor suppliers, our employees. Um, How do we be good good business partners with them with the limitations we have right now? Uh, Present options to your vendors. You know, if you need allowances, if you need to make some tweaks to your existing relationship. Make sure you've thought through some different, um, some different scenarios that might be able to work for the vendor. Uh, and that takes some pressure off of your vendor or your landlord or whoever you're negotiating with you know, to try to solve your problem for you. Uh, present yourself as a problem solver rather than just presenting um, <laughs> issues. Uh, think of it as a partnership, lean on your relationships, support each other through this time, uh, and be creative <laughs> basically. Um, in, in terms of other resources, uh, we really recommend you go to our, our website. Mesner.com has a COVID resource um, and guidance section where we list all the contact information for our respo- our coronavirus response team, uh, which includes Torben and myself, as long as a number of other um, practice group specialists, um, all of whom are happy to, to, to speak with you about your questions and point you towards uh, resources. Torben, anything to you? to add to that?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, as Rachel mentioned, we, we're here ready to help. And so you can also go to, our, uh, besides our website, you can also shoot us an email at hospitality at com. And to the extent you have some pandemic or Corona issues, we are offering some pro bono services to restaurants up to four hours worth where all of the attorneys on our team and all sorts of disciplines can uh, help guide you through some of uh, the hard times that you're having. So, Uh, we think it's important just to give kind of our expertise and what we've seen in representing a lot of clients that have already done this. So feel free to reach out to us and we can get you in contact with that. And like I said, we're offering some of these services a pro bono, which means free. And uh, we're happy to do that and happy to help the industry get back to where it needs to be.
1: Interesting, important, and complex information. So thank you both, Rachel Farr and Torben Welcher, partners at the national law firm, Mesner Reeves. And that will do it for today's podcast. We certainly hope you're taking away some usable information and that you'll have a great rest of the day and week. Until next time, take care.